How's it going, Yankee fans? Welcome back to Fireside Yankees with your boys, Alex and Ryan. Today, we're discussing the left field options after Michael Conforto signed a two-year, $36 million deal with the San Francisco Giants. Now, of course, the Giants missed out on Rodon. They missed out on Judge. Obviously, they let Correa walk after the kind of weird um, medical thing rose and, you know, the Mets one swooped in and signed him to a big deal. Uh, but they landed Conforto, last remaining high upside left field option. And the Yankees now are kind of sitting like, what do we do now? Obviously, the trade market seems to be the most likely avenue, the most likely scenario that we will see Brian Cashman dip his hand into. You know, yesterday he was texting back and forth during Rodone's introductory press conference saying that they're going to be looking at, um, you know, potential deals. They were, he was texting with another GM about, you know, maybe packaging some prospects or players for a player that we just don't know who it was. Could have been Brian Reynolds, could have been Max Kepler. Um Right now, it seems to be those two guys are the primary options. You know, the Arizona Diamondbacks were also mentioned. Um, Michael A. Taylor from the Kansas City Royals, who I would not like to touch as a starting left fielder. But uh, looking at Kepler, you know, I really want to discuss him. We talked about Brian Reynolds a lot yesterday um, and over the last couple of days, really. But Kepler seems to be the most realistic one because of his price tag and how much it's going to cost to actually acquire him in the first place and the package of players that uh, they might be able to get him for. So, Ryan, before we dive into it, how are you feeling today? And what are you feeling about this Conforto news? Yeah, so uh, first off, I'm doing great. Uh, you know, not no problems here, uh, even without Michael Conforto. Uh, ultimately, you know, the way I look at this uh, is that you know, we, we talked about this like right before we recorded at $18 million uh, for 2022, uh, 2023. That that basically knocked the Yankees out of that uh, bidding. I don't think the Yankees are going to be willing to uh, you know invest $18 million when they've already pushed themselves, you know, around what, $280, $290 million in terms of their payroll. They're trying to look to shed some payroll at this point they're not going to be pushing $300 million for Michael Conforto, right? You know, as, as much of the upside as Michael Conforto has, and I do like Conforto. Um, that's not a player you really push yourself into 310 potentially million dollars uh, to, to get because you, you kind of can, I feel like another thing about this too, is how is his defense going to play in left field at Yankee stadium? That was a massive question mark. How is he going to play in general is a massive question mark. What does his max exit velocity look like in 2023? What does his power output look like? Out power output look like in 2023 if he doesn't play well you're on the hook for another 18 million dollars in 2024 that significantly hinders what you can do next year you know what i mean so you know i understand why the yankees didn't take that right i understand why the yankees didn't take that risk ultimately at this point the trade market is obviously the, like that's the only thing remaining i mean unless we want to count jerks and profile but i don't think jerks and profile's defensive profile works very well for new york he kind of struggled with his outs above average uh in left field so that doesn't really seem like a realistic fit uh ultimately you know, trade-wise, uh, there there's obviously Max Kepler. Max Kepler has kind of become uh, the guy that seems like the most realistic option because he's the only guy that really you're not going to trade a lot to get, um, is left-handed, and has a similar situation where got one year, and that second year is a club option. He's very cheap. So, you know, you can acquire him. If he's a dud, you can make him a fourth outfielder and trade for a left fielder and then just not pick up his club option, right? Worst-case scenario, you know, for not even half your season because if he really struggles, you can just start playing Cabrera out there. So realistically for like one and a half months, he can, he can be pretty bad for you uh, if he doesn't pan out. But, you know, best case scenario, he figures it out with the bat and he's, you know, he hits 20, home, 20 plus home runs, you know, gets, has a higher on OBP. He's a guy who, you know, is going to benefit from no shift next year. I look at him as the guy and he's a great defender. So I look at him as the guy that like, I think if you asked me who's the most likely guy the Yankees end up with, I, I would say Max Kepler. Uh, you know, the Twins have another option at left field in Luisa Rise, and Luisa Rise, you know, he's a, a lot less likely because he's a very, very, very good hitter. I believe he won the batting title in the American League, if I'm not mistaken. Um, there are some question marks 
talks about his defense left field. You know, he was a three plus three uh, DRS guy in 2021, but a negative one OAA guy. So, you know, conflicting reports on his defense there. Um, and the bat obviously is very good. I mean, he's again, batting champion, um, 375 OBP last year, 131 WRC plus projects for a 126 WRC plus, but is he more of an infielder? Is he more of an outfielder? How willing are the twins to trade him? Other reports saying they were looking to move for pitching, you know, realistically the best trade chip the Yankees have, uh, pitching wise outside of guys in their rotation is Clark Schmidt. And I like Clark Schmidt, but you know, is he in a package enough to entice the twins? I have no idea. Um, I think he has great stuff. I think, you know, a lot of, you know, if you look at stuff plus, if you look at pitching plus, his curveball and his, and his slider are absolutely disgusting. A 136.6 uh, stuff plus on the curveball. And on the slider, uh, it was a 125.3. You know, sinker is a league average pitch in terms of pitching plus. So, you know, at least he has a league average fastball to go alongside two elite breaking balls. Um, but how is his projectability as a starter? Is he more of a reliever? That's definitely a question worth asking. He's also 27 years old. I don't think he's – I'm pretty sure – yeah, he's older than Luis Arise. So, uh, and I'm not sure how intrigued that you would be – how enticing it would be for the Twins, especially since there are probably other teams that have younger, uh, maybe better starters uh, – uh, available on that trade front. You know, you look at the Arizona, you know, there's Jake McCarthy, Alec Thomas, and Darton Dar- Varsho. Varsho's more of a center fielder. He could play left field, but you kind of kill a lot of your value when you take a guy who's great in center field and you move him to left field. Why are you trading? You know, that, that takes, you know, a, D- a Dominguez, a Peraza. That's like a Brian Reynolds type package right there. He's a five war player who's really young and got a ton of control. Jake McCarthy's a guy who doesn't have a lot of power, but has a lot higher whiff rates. You know what I mean? His strikeout rate was not, was not high or anything last year, but he doesn't, he whiffs a lot and he chases a lot. So the sustainability of that strikeout rate's a little bit questionable. And then Alec Thomas is a big question mark. He's a, is a prospect prospect who his stock fell a lot after last season. So, you know, looking at the other options on the market, it's a lot of risk. And if you want to get someone who isn't risky, which is Brian Reynolds, we've talked about this yesterday, you're going to have to pay a pretty penny. So, you know, ultimately it comes down to, I think Kepler just ends up being the best match between project guy and there's no long-term prospect financial or even playing time commitment that you have to make to the guy because you still have internal options. Like again, Oswaldo Cabrera. Look, Max Kepler is the epitome of a boom, bu- uh, a boom or bust uh, idea player for the Yankees. He either could be very good, like what we thought Joey Gallo would be, or he could be absolutely horrendous. Now, here's the thing: he's only going to be horrendous as an offensive player. Defensively, he's very, very good. If you look at his percentile rankings on Baseball Savant, it's all red. That's a good thing, right? He also puts the ball. He he's not like a a big spray. Uh, kind of hitter. He pulls the ball a lot. And and Ryan, I know you love hitters that pull the ball um, efficiently. And he does that. Like you mentioned, the shift being banned, Kepler is going to dominate because of that. A lot of opportunities um, where those pull balls were otherwise probably outs or, you know, just uh, being, being hurt because of the shift. Those are going to be, he's going to get on base more because of that. You know, last year, obviously uh, finished with what, a 32% on base rate. Um, so, you know, you're looking at that number probably increasing, even if he ends up at 34% on base rate, um, and he's hitting 240. And I think that's possible because of the, ba- of the shift. Um, I think that's pretty good. He only strikes out at about 15%, right? Like our last year at the very least, his career average is about 18%, but last year, 15%. He's a double digit walk guy every single season. I think this guy in the Yankees, in Yankee stadium would be very, very good. I think that his home run totals will probably increase. He had 19 in 2021, only nine last year. Uh, keep that in mind, but. 
you know, I definitely think with that short right porch, that number probably hovers around 15 to 20, which is okay if he's getting on base 34, 35%, which I think is doable for him. Uh, but if you look at, you know, all of his percentile rankings, his top ones, outs above average, 97th percentile, outfielder jump, about 70th percentile, arm strength, 73rd percentile, sprint speed, 64th percentile, chase rate, 80th percentile, whiff rate, 78th percentile, his strikeout rates in the 88th percentile, walk rate, 84th, you know, is at, and here's an interesting one, Ryan, that you might be able to give me a little bit more. Uh, a little bit more insight into his average exit velocity ranks in the 51st percentile and his hard hit rates the 49th percentile but his max exit velocity is in the 93rd percentile right so how is it that he's able to hit the ball so hard on occasion but he generally doesn't hit the ball that hard you clearly see the powers there if the yankees get him to kind of adopt adapt to the mindset of hitting strikes hard I think that that exit velocity could probably spike into like this 65, 70th percentile, which would be very, very good. A lot more home runs, a lot more hard hit balls, putting balls in play um, and just focusing on strikes. And, you know, he, he has good vision in, in the sense that like he doesn't strike out a lot. He walks a lot. So he's patient. He could probably be a perfect fit for the Yankees. And defensively, he's a stud. Offensively, if he takes a step forward, and you know, kind of, he's young. What is he, 29 years old? He's a young guy, Um, you know, in respect to, you know, baseball. I think that he could be a great fit for the Yankees and ultimately be what Joey Gallo never ended up being for us. Yeah. So, you know, one thing I really want to ham hammer on here, which you, what you mentioned with that, uh, you know, the hard hit rates and the discrepancy with that is max exit velocity. Let's look at Anthony Rizzo for a second. 91st percentile max exit velocity, 57th percentile average exit velocity, 56th percentile hard hit rate, right? Are we, are, you know, there are certain guys who don't hit the ball hard on average as much as they can do in their max exit velocity. And the reason for that seems that to be that both these guys are, are fly ball hitters. It's really hard to hit the ball hard in the air. If you think about it, you know, if you're, if you're swinging and you're swinging straight down, right, you can really hit the absolute crap out of the ball. But if you're trying to get loft, that, that takes a lot of strength. You're going to hit a lot of your soft hit balls are not ground balls. They're going to be fly balls. They're going to be pop-ups. They're going to be, you know, pitches you got jammed on, right? Look at Stanton's, like, hardest hit ball. I'm pretty sure it was a double play, right? It was a ground ball. It was not a it was not a home run. You don't see guys that their max exit velocities come on home runs. That never really happens, right? Um, so when we're looking at a guy like Max Kepler, his max exit velocity last year, if I'm not mistaken, came on a ground ball right to someone. It's hard to hit the ball hard in the air. Uh, and, you know, you can, again, I, you know, like you mentioned with the pull rates, you can really mitigate that by pulling the ball more because you'll get more distance. Uh, the way the ball spins, when you pull the ball, uh, it generates, you, you can generate a higher average uh, distance in terms of how far you're hitting the ball. Uh, StatCast proves this, you know, it's of uh, uh, the average uh, fly ball distance for fly balls that were pulled was over 340 feet, while for opposite field and center hit, it was under 300. So, you know, it's not like uh, just a uniquely Max Kepler thing. This is a universal thing that happens to all hitters. They tend to, you know, hit the ball farther when they pull it. Uh, so, you know, ultimately for, for Max Kepler, I look at him and I'm like, this is Matt. This can be an Anthony Rizzo 2.0. Let's look at the whiff rates. 60% whiff rate for Rizzo last year, 78th or 60th percentile whiff rate for Rizzo last year, 78th percentile for Kepler last year. Both these guys do not swing and miss. In terms of strikeout percentage, they were very similar, under 20%. You know, uh, Rizzo was in the 69th percentile. Kepler was in the 88th percentile. So Kepler doesn't strike out as much. Uh, but, you know, that gap is still really marked like three or four percent uh in terms of even barrel in terms of barrel rate Rizzo gets more barrels Kepler doesn't or at least this year he didn't I know last year he was in the 71st percentile um you know last year's profile probably mirrors a lot more what you would want him to be at just because he was a little bit more of a fly ball hitter though I will note you know 
Kepler suffered an injury in the second half last year, uh, you know, kind of similar to LeMahieu where the guy gets injured, he comes back, and he's not close to what he is, and he gets shut down at the end of the season. Before the injury at a 115 WRC plus, and is, you know, you mentioned he can, can he be a 340 on-base guy with a, two, with a 240 average? That's exactly what he did. You know, 244 average and 344 on-base percentage. The slugging percentage was really lacking, right? So, you know, if we can get that isolated power to, to, you know, near 200, if we can kind of get him to be, you know, what Anthony Rizzo has been for the Yankees, you know, that's really the goal here, right? A fly ball hitter, a pole extreme fly ball hitter who is not going to whiff a ton, who is going to be able to get on base, who's not going to hit for high average because fly balls have a really low batting average on balls in play. You accept those things because the guy is not going to put a bat at bat, right? Uh, you know, the number I'm looking for here in terms of OPS plus or WRC plus, whichever metric you favor, is in that 110 to 120 range, right? If you fall anywhere between there, the Yankees get a huge boost. I think a lot of people are forgetting left field was an enigma for the Yankees last year. To start the year, they had Joey Gallo. Then at some point, Aaron Hicks became the left fielder. And then Benintendi became the left fielder. And he didn't play so well until towards the end of his tenure. And then he got hurt. So Oswaldo Cabrera became the left fielder. And then Aaron Hicks was the left fielder in the playoffs for a little bit. And, you know, it, it was a nightmare. That position was really just not set in stone if max kepler gives you a you know if max kepler can somehow push a 120 wrc plus which he, i think he can with the home run rates going up in yankee stadium and again without the, with the shift being limited it's not exactly banned but you know you're gonna see an increase in batting average for for, for guys like kepler who are extreme pull hitters um this could be a really good fit for the Yankees. And again, as you mentioned, the defense is great. The base running is really good too. I think, you know, with bigger bases, he could go out and steal more bases. Ultimately, he's going to provide a lot of the things the Yankees kind of need, which is contact. Uh, they're going to need some more power in that lineup. They're going to need some, uh, you know, good plate discipline. These are things the Yankees really struggled against with the uh, Houston Astros. They just couldn't lay off of pitches they should have been laying off of. They made terrible swing decisions. And this team needs to be more disciplined. I know a lot of people are upset with the way the lineup looks right now, saying, you know, this isn't a good lineup, but I implore a lot of people to really look at what this lineup is right now and look at what it, where it was last year, right? If you look at where it was on the on the, on game one of the ALCS or even on opening day, that lineup is worse than the lineup that you would have with Max Kepler in it, or just right now with Oswaldo Cabrera in left field, right? Your shortstop position has more upside offensively. You know, you're not playing Donaldson as much. You're playing LeMahieu more. Uh, Glaber's still there. Judge is still there. Stanton is still there. And I imagine Stanton gets a little bit better as Judge gets a little bit worse, you know, because he's not going to repeat that season. Um, you know, you still have Rizzo in the equation. You have a lot of young talent coming up as well. You know, if Kepler is to, you know, not be the best bat in the world, who's to say Austin Wells can't come up and become, you know, uh, fill in some time in left field as the Yankees look for that external at the deadline, right? They have so much young talent in their farm that can help supplement them. That's something they really didn't have last year until later in the season. And then by that point, I think it was too late. Right. They really only had Cabrera, who was ready to play every single day for in a postseason. Peraza wasn't built up for that. So, uh, you know, ultimately, Kepler just there's an easy way out if he plays poorly. And you have a lot to gain if you are able to get him to replicate the profile that Rizzo has been able to replicate in Yankee Stadium because they're very similar hitters. Absolutely. So, OK, here's my main point about Kepler that I think will be the determining factor if he does come here. Um, I think that he could be very good for the Yankees and he's a much cheaper option than obviously acquiring Brian Reynolds. The biggest variable for Max Kepler is can he handle the smoke in New York City? You know what I mean? That It's the mental component that I think gets to players here. You know, you look at Joey Gallo. He's a good player when he's confident, but he but he got completely shredded. You know what I mean? You got to stay off social media. You got to just do your thing. You got to you just cancel out all the noise somehow, some way you got to take that variable out of it. You cannot let the fans get to you. If Kepler can be, you know, a sustainable option and not let any negativity get to him and he can play in a, on a big stage and in, in the biggest city, the brightest city in the world, 
you know, this is that that will make him a lot better. You know, it's the mental component that really deteriorates people, um, you know, playing on professional sports teams in, in New York and across every sport. You look at every sport, you know, Julius Randle for the Knicks. Um, you look at, you know, even guys like Kadarius Tony for the Giants and Zach Wilson for the Jets. They're, those guys got absolutely obliterated, ended up, you know, end up saying the wrong thing, end up, uh, you know, not playing well and not being motivated or confident. And that's what really ends up happening for players that come to New York. I think that Carlos Rodon's got it. I think that Judge obviously has it. I think most of what the Yankees are doing, they're adding pieces that are electrifying. And guys that are are energized, energizer bunnies get a little bit more slack than others. Like Harrison Bader, Oswaldo Cabrera. Cabrera was not a good offensive player last year. He was a very good defensive player, but he got hyped. He brought energy to the group. He was someone that brought the fans together too. If Kepler can bring uh, that kind of attitude, that kind of mentality, and, and fight through any bad uh, appearances or, or cold streaks, he can be good for this Yankee team. And I think that he projects well for what the Yankees actually try to do and the stadium. Um, so I think that that's probably the player they go with. I think that's the much more likely scenario over Brian Reynolds. And you're talking about a much cheaper um, acquisition. Like, you know, Ryan, right now, you put together an interesting, uh, you know, mock trade a couple days ago for me with Lucas Lickey and Domingo Herman, but obviously Lickey got DFA'd. So right now, what are you looking at in terms of capital you'd have to give up to acquire Kepler if they were going to go that route? I still think Herman's the biggest part of that trade because I think the the, the Twins need need a starting pitcher. Um, they'd probably like to have one with some control like Herman. Uh, not too expensive either in terms of his arbitration. He's you know he's you're gonna the Twins are gonna be saving money trading Kepler. So I, I think that that's still something that interests them. You know, there's got to be you know some there's probably some lower level arms that they could be interested in. I know Edgar Barclay, someone who's kind of risen up the quietly risen up. Uh, the ranks in terms of uh, relievers for the Yankees. Um, I don't. I really don't think this trade breaks the Yankees back in terms of prospect capital. Um, uh, you know, the Twins at some point are going to have to trade Kepler. They don't really have a starting spot for him. You know, we mentioned. Uh, you know, we've we've talked about you know outfielders. You know, Joey Gallo just signed with the Twins, so you know they they don't really have a spot for him, right? It's it's Gallo, Buxton, and I believe it's Kirloff um, in that outfield, if I'm not mistaken, or is it Larnack? But it's, I know it's one of those two. Um, you know, they don't really don't have room for Kepler. They have a lot of left-handed outfielders, which is kind of a funny problem because we would like to have a, a plethora of left-handed outfielders, I imagine. Um, you know, ultimately the 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 um the twins, not that they 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 are desperate to trade him, but they just it's it seems like a, an expensive fourth outfielder to have when you can you know convert that for a starting pitcher. Um, especially since the rotation, they might be looking to move Sony Gray. I know that there's some reports about that. Kenta Maeda might be someone they're looking to move. Both those guys, I believe, are on expiring contracts. You know, if one of those two get pushed out of the rotation because they got traded, you know, having Herman in there stabilize at least that four or five spot in that rotation. Um, you know, ultimately, I I think that that's kind of where you look at, you know, maybe another minor league arm, but Herman definitely becomes the center of that package. You know, you mentioned a lot, a really good point about, you know, handling New York. You know, there are guys who've even succeeded who talk about how daunting New York is. Chris Bassett wasn't bad last year by any stretch. He was a pretty good pitcher. And even he talked about New York is tough. New York was tough on him. New York is a tough environment to play in. Uh, obviously, we can't test the metal of how, you know, Kepler would react to New York until he gets here. Um, and I do think a lot of people sometimes can tend to point to, oh, it's New York as a reason the guy fails. And sometimes it's just a matter of the guy uh, just wasn't very good or the guy, uh, you know, just had struggles. Um, but but ultimately, it is a tough market to play in. But I think it brings out, I think for some people, you know, it brings out the best in them. I think for Kepler, you know, playing in a market where, you know, the, the stadium's built for him, you know, I think the fans are going to embrace having a, a, a new left fielder, a left-handed left fielder, one who doesn't strike out a lot. He knows that if his, his game's contact and power, you know, 
he's gonna he's gonna be well liked in New York if he if he if he's able to put to uh, that power aspect to of it together. Um, and I think again, there's you know the Yankees tend to really like these these molds of hitters where you know they're left handed, they 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 can get them to pull the ball. They're getting Benintendi to pull the ball. Max Kepler is gonna do just fine in New York uh, in terms of the stadium fit. Uh, this is an organization that you know like it or not, these got, the Yankees do tend to get a lot good out of players. They they really they rarely. Uh, really flop completely with a player. Gallo's like the only player I can really think of that was a complete and utter dud. Um, you know, Gray I know was a dud in that second in that second year, but the first year was still pretty good. And half same situation. That first year was pretty good. Second year was really bad. Uh, so the Yankees are able to get the most out of their players. I think that this is an organization that I can trust it with player development. That I can trust to get to if they like a guy, if they identify a player they like. They're going to go out and get them, and they're going to get them because that player is good. Um, so you know, and the Yankees have enough internal options. Again, worst case scenario. Cabrera ends up playing left field from like June to July 31st and the Yankees trade for left fielder. And we consider the carousel of corner outfielders. Uh, but with that, that's, that's really, there's no risk here. It, it's really, there's no risk. It's a club option. It doesn't cost a ton. It, it, there's no risk in this, in, the, in this deal for the Yankees. Yeah, I agree. It's going to be such an easy uh, deal comparably uh, to Brian Reynolds, who obviously the Pittsburgh Pirates are looking for top pitching prospects, and we just don't have any right now that are of that magnitude. So you're going to have to give up Dominguez or Volpe or Peraza. So, you know, we discussed that yesterday. If you missed that on that episode, go check it out. But uh, Kepler definitely makes sense. I know a lot of people do not want him, but unfortunately, that's one of the better options on the table right now for us. Um, without breaking the bank. You know, I don't personally, I don't want to give up Dominguez. And and people have suggested like, don't be prospect huggers and stuff like that. But guys, like, you know, it's okay. You know, we, we've traded Waldachuk and Wesneski. Like, it's just these three prospects are going to play big roles for us. You know, it's not like we're on the fence about them. Dominguez is going to be an outfielder for us in the future. Peraza is about to make an impact right now. Volpe is about to make an impact right now. Austin Wells, even him, you discussed it too going to make an impact very, very shortly. These are guys that are ready to help us right now. We need to give them that chance before we trade them away um, for Brian Reynolds. And yes, Brian Reynolds is very, very good. But last year wasn't like an like an astronomically great season for him. He wasn't like insane by any means. He had 27 homers, yes. Um, but, you know, defensively, he's a liability in some respects. You know, his whiff rate, as you mentioned yesterday, has, has gone up a lot. Like, there's, there's a very real possibility he does not get back to his 2021 self. And are we willing to risk it for the biscuit in that sense? I think that's a huge risk that I don't feel necessarily is worth taking right now. But if you do, you know, obviously respect your opinion. And uh, I'm always happy to hear your, your uh, perspectives below in the YouTube comments. You know, this is why we do it. We love to hear from you guys. Love to have some good conversation. We are, we are wrong all the time. Everyone else is wrong all the time. It is what it is. But hopefully you guys enjoy the rest of your Friday. Make sure to like and subscribe as always. And safe traveling if you're going home to see family um, for the holidays. So stay safe out there. It's definitely cold in New York City. Very, very cold. It's going to be like 10 degrees later. So uh, stay indoors and stay warm. Uh, much love as always and sending love to you and your families. Enjoy the rest of your day and we'll catch you guys on the next Fireside Yankees episode.